Well, let me pray for us as we look at God's word together this afternoon. Let's pray. Father God, we ask as the psalmist uh, prays, would you open our eyes that we would see wonderful things in your law. Uh, Please speak to us this afternoon. Help us to see Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we have a look at the passage, I just wanted to start by telling you a story of a guy called um, Nabil Qureshi. Many of you might have heard about him. Uh, he wrote a popular Christian book called uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Um, in this book, basically, Nabil tells his story of how he began trying to convince his Christian friend David that all this Jesus stuff was all a load of nonsense, really, and that it could be proven wrong. Um, and this conversation was an ongoing one with, between him and David for many years. But one night, he was having a dream... And in this dream, he saw um, a banquet, a a big dinner table laid out, and David and many other people were eating together. And Nabil um, wanted to go into the dinner, but for some reason couldn't. There was some kind of resistance. He was standing in the doorway looking in. And he looked at David at the dinner table and shouted to him, I thought we were going to eat together. And David turned around and said to him, you never responded to the invite. And then Nabil woke up, you know, just quite disturbed, in a cold sweat, wondering, what was that? It felt a bit too real. It just felt a bit too specific. And he, he rang his friend David and said to David, look, I've had this dream. What's going on? And David said to him, Nabil, read Luke chapter 13. Read Luke chapter 13. And Nabil turned to Luke chapter 13 in the Bible he had, and he read the words, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. He'd been dreaming about a passage that we're going to look at this afternoon. He'd never read it before, and he was dreaming about it. Now, you might think, wow, that's incredible. I mean, what a unique experience. It was, but the point of today I want to say to you guys is that we might never have Nabil's experience, but we do have his choice. The choice that faced him that day is a choice facing all of us. And that's what we're going to be seeing in, in Luke chapter 13. Let's, let's have a look. We're going to read from verse 22 down to verse 35 uh, together in Luke chapter 13. Let me read for us. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at a feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. 
At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go and tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There are some questions that preachers would give their right arm to have you ask them, right? There are some questions they would give their right arm to have you ask them. I remember once I was helping a friend in Catford uh, improve his English, his son who didn't have great English, and I was doing an English lesson with him, and it happened to be near Easter, and we were about to finish the lesson. I was like, all right, so uh, we'll see you next time. And he's like, oh, just, just a quick question. What is Good Friday? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Come on, what a gift. Come on, let's sit down again. Let's keep chatting. What a question. Well, Jesus faces something similar. Look at verse 23. He's been teaching, and maybe he's about to round up, and someone's like, excuse me, sir, just like, quick one. Um, only a few people are going to be saved. And he must have think, what a gift. What an absolute gift, right? And so he gets to launch into some teaching. Now, we're not sure what prompts this guy to ask the question. Maybe he's been listening to Jesus over the last few days. We know that in Luke 13, Jesus has been traveling around, teaching about the kingdom of God. And maybe this guy is thinking, well, what does it take to get into the kingdom? And so he asks, are only a few people going to be saved? Are only a few going to be saved? Well, Jesus is in the mood to take requests. And the first thing he wants us to see is this. Enter. Enter through the narrow door. Just have a look down at verse 24 in your Bible with me. He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Do you see what he's saying? Look, leave the hypothetical people on the desert island to me. Uh, leave working out the numbers to me. You're here. Will you enter through the narrow door? And what does Jesus tell us about entering God's kingdom? Let's keep reading. What, is it, what does that look like? Well, verse 25, it says this. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, he will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Now, I'm going to say something surprising that's going to make you think maybe Zim's gone blind because he's not reading the same message as we are. But I'm going to say that this is actually a very, very positive picture that we're seeing in these verses. It's a very positive picture. Let me explain. Imagine on your street, a new neighbor has moved in, right? And you're, you know, like me, you're nosy. You go upstairs, you put the lights off, and you start looking out through the curtain to see who it is. And you see them unloading the van, and you know, they've got all this expensive stuff. This 65-inch telly comes out. Modern art comes out. There's a chandelier. And you think, wow, are these guys lost? Don't they know this is South London? Like, what's wrong with them, bruv? And... And, you know, you, you see them moving, and the next morning you're walking to work. And as you're walking, you see that the door is wide open. And you think, 
these guys are crazy. You shut the door for them, and you carry on walking. Next morning, you walk, the door's open again. Are these guys mad? And you shut the door, and it keeps happening every morning, and you get frustrated. And so one morning, you go to the door, and you shout, what is wrong with you guys? Shut your door. And they come to the door, and they say to you, I'm sorry, no one told you, but we've got an open-door policy, actually. Like, the whole street's been in here, jello rice and everything. Like, they're having a great time. Come in the back. Come and join us. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Entering God's kingdom is open-door policy. Verse 25. The door is open. For now, the master has left the door open. And Jesus is waiting for you and I inside. He's got your super malt, he's got your gel off. He's saying, come and join us. The door's open. God is a generous savior. Just, I mean, look at later on in verse 29, how Jesus describes what God has in store for you. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at a feast in the kingdom of God. Everyone's invited all the Old Testament promises of God's kingdom, Jesus is saying, it's open to everyone now. You can come. Come through me. But of course, there is an elephant in the room, isn't there? Because if it's so easy, why then is Jesus saying it's a narrow door? Why is he saying that many people will not be able to enter? Why is he saying that there will be some people outside begging? Why is he saying that stuff? Let me, let me tell you another thing that might help us understand. We, we know the experience, don't we, of uh, having a party, and we create a WhatsApp group for the upcoming party. I mean, I was just on one yesterday, actually. There's a WhatsApp group for a party I went to. And we create the WhatsApp group, and we send the invite out in the WhatsApp group. There's always one or two keynotes who are like, yes, straight away they reply, I'm coming. But most of us, I mean, like me, we kind of want to hedge our bets. We want to see if we get other options. You know, it's FOMO, fear of missing out. And so, you know, we, we kind of give an answer, but not committed. You know, we say, oh, yeah, I should be able to make it. Or, you know, if we're Christian, we go, God willing, that's a good one. God, <laughs> God willing, I'll come, you know. We, we try to hedge, I hope to be there. But on the night, what we're we doing, we're, we're checking WhatsApp to see if it looks like fun. What are the messages or what are the photos? And, you know, maybe three hours later, we start turning up. You know, okay, it looks like it's a good party. We turn up. Let me say this to you guys. Jesus is not some lonely host who's desperate for flaky friends to turn up. You see, at some point he says, I am going to shut the door to focus on those who did not take the mick. And it's fair, isn't it? It's very fair. The timing of when that will happen is actually different for all of us because we don't know when our time will be up. But it will happen at some point. See, why do many people fail to enter? Well, verse 24 tells us that there will be many who fail to enter. Why is that? What's actually scary as you read the New Testament is that actually it's not so much that people hate the idea of entering God's kingdom. It's just that we're too busy to care. Uh, just a chapter after this, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells a story, the parable of the great banquets. It's a it's a story explaining about entering God's kingdom and why do many miss out? Well, they all tick the box that says maybe. You know, I've got a wedding to go to. Um, you know, my job, it pays well on Sundays. 
why do many, why, sorry, why is the door narrow? Is it because it's, it's too hard to enter? You know, it's a narrow door because Jesus is making it hard. No, it's because there's, there's one invite that will get you in. Jesus' invites. That's why it's a narrow door. It's not hard to get in. You just need one invite. And you see, Jesus, he doesn't say stand and admire the door. And, you know, look how nice the door is. He says enter. We actually enter through the door. There is only one invite that gets you in. It's Jesus' invite. It's no need. It's no good just having, you know, a Bible on your bedside table or having Christian friends. No one is ever saved by having Christian friends or a Bible on the table. Jesus says, you need to respond to my invite. You need to make me your friend. You need to say yes to me. You need to open the Bible and read it and listen to my words and respond to them. Do you see that? Because to fail to do this is is tragic. Twice Jesus says, to those who fail to do this, verse 25, verse 27, he will say to them, I do not know you or where you are from. A true friend of Jesus will respond to his invites, and that choice has eternal consequences. We're going to see this next. Jesus says there will be feasting inside, but regrets outside. Just have a look with me at verse 28. Jesus says there will be weeping there, that's outside, and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Let me say this. Everyone who responds to Jesus has a feast to look forward to. Did you see that? We have a feast, a heavenly feast to look forward to. Everyone who responds. I don't know if you've ever been to a a memorable dinner party. I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine asked me to arrange his stag party, to arrange a stag dinner. And, you know, I got everyone to chip in some money. And I booked out a nice German restaurant. It was oh, it's the best meal I've had in a long time. It was amazing. Like, we had, you know, frankfurter sausages so long, they're like hanging off the side of the, the bread, and you're kind of trying to feed it into your mouth like from above because it's so big. And, you know, we had this sweet, like, German beer, like Kronbacher. Amazing. I can still taste it right now. Just think about it. And, you know, you had a sauerkraut. Don't this sauerkraut. is okay. Try it. And, you know, we were stuffed at the end of the evening, completely stuffed. And we're just ready to go home. And then the groom's dad calls me aside and he says, come with me. And he presses his hand into mine. And I feel this wadge of cash. And I look down, there's like 300 pounds cash in my hand. And he's like, you guys have fun, I'm off. Hero! Come on, come on! Like, just when you think it's over, he, like, round two. Amazing. Jesus is saying to you, it is going to be like that in God's kingdom times 100. There is going to be this huge feast. Just listen to how the prophet Isaiah describes it. Isaiah 25, listen to these words. It will be a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. Imagine that. If you're trusting in Jesus, be excited, right? Be really excited. 
the eternity that Jesus has in store for you, is, is, it's not worth it. You can't describe it. You see, and the best part will be, won't it, that Jesus, the host, will be there. You see, I often think, when I think about all my sin in my life, I often think, oh, Jesus will just be about ready to put up with me. He will be, you know, I'll turn up and he'll say, just, just stand there, don't, don't touch anything, please. But that's not what this is saying. Just think how the hairs on the back of your neck will stand up when Jesus welcomes you individually, gives you a hug, wants you there. You hear him laughing infectiously, smiling at you. You're sitting there eating at his feast and you can't believe what you're seeing because every time you look up, you see Jesus at one end of the table and he just kind of winks at you and smiles. And you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. You're trembling. And so it's, it's utterly painful, isn't it, that anyone would want to miss out on that. You see, verse 28, Jesus says, for some outside, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is literally in distress, grinding their teeth. You see, it is a picture of utter regret. Isn't it? I blew it. I can't believe it. I, I achieved so much in my life, and yet I wasted my life. It's a picture of regret. That's what makes it so painful. You see, many of us are convinced, aren't we, when, because life is going so well, I must be doing something right. I've got an Instagram face tick, you know. I've got be my own bus achieved tick. I don't know what else. I've, I've got a first class degree tick. But here is Jesus' warning. Verse 30, he says, Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. See, in other words, do not be fooled by appearances. It is possible to be the talk of the town in this life and yet to be an utter failure in eternity. See, maybe, maybe those of us who are Christians, we need to be lovingly warning uh, in appropriate words our career idolizing family, our extension building neighbors, that this is the choice facing them. See, how do we avoid eternal regrets? How do we enter through the narrow door? Well, lastly and briefly, we need to shelter in the prophet who is killed. We shelter in the prophet who is killed. In verse 31 to 32, I'm not going to read it, but in those verses, you get this kind of weird version of first century smack talk, like some, some Pharisee comes up, he's like, Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus is like, yeah, well... Tell that fox, I'm going to keep healing people. You're like, whoa. That's what, it seems to be some, something going on there. But Jesus' point is this. Like, there's no threat or authority that's high enough to distract him from reaching his goal, right? That's why he's saying there's no threat nor authority high enough to distract him reaching his goal. And what is his goal? His goal is verse 33. He tells us very clearly, in any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. 
Jesus must reach Jerusalem. He's on his way there. We're told in verse 22, that's what this section of Luke is, on the way to Jerusalem. He's made up his mind. He must die in this city with a reputation for killing God's messengers. Why would anyone want to do that? Well, look at verse 34. This is why. Verse 34. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Jesus wants to be killed because he longs to gather rebels. He longs to shelter rebels. As a kid, I, I lived in Nigeria. I grew up in Nigeria. And we, we actually had chickens. It was, it was great. It was amazing. We actually had chickens in our, in our kind of backyard. And I used to hate those little chicks because they, they had such a great time. Like you'd see them running around, like looking cute. And then they would run up to the mother hen, kind of, kind of start you know, bugging her. And then she would open her huge wings. And they would run in. And she would close her wings. And it would be safe and warm. And you think, man, I want that. <laughs> And Jesus is saying he longs to gather and shelter rebels with that intensity of love. That's what he wants to do. But he knows that the only way this is possible is that he must be killed. Jesus is going to the cross because he wants to gather and shelter you and I, us. See, the reality is, don't we know that we've all resisted the kingdom of God. We've all rebelled against the rule of Jesus over our lives. This is clear. You know, I can think of personally just in the last week a million and one ways in which I've rebelled against Jesus. We deserve his judgment, but he's going to the cross to take the heat for me and for you if we will let him, if we'll put our trust in him. Guys, we enter through the narrow door by saying to Jesus, you need to, I need to take shelter in you. I need you to take the heat for me. I'm going to respond to your invites. I'm going to say, yes, I need a savior. I need a prophet who dies. Are we going to stop being unwilling and let him do that? Remember Nabil Qureshi, who I told you about at the start, well, some of you would know that actually Nabil died, sadly, in 2017. He was only 34. That's some of us here. None of us knows when that time is going to run out. He was only 34 when he died. Where is he now, though? Where is Nabil now? Well, we thank God that not long after reading Luke chapter 13, Nabil prayed to Jesus. He got on his knees and said to him, look, Jesus, I admit that I've always wanted to live my way, not your way. I've wanted my ideas, not yours. Would you please forgive me through your death on the cross? Would you help me to follow you as king, to obey you? Nabil entered through the narrow door. And you know what? He's waiting for you and I to join him at the feast. He sat at the table waiting. Will you be willing? Will you enter the narrow door. If you haven't done that, why, why, wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do that today? Why wouldn't you speak to Jesus and say to him, yes? We heard about the baptism service. Wouldn't it be amazing to have 
more than two people were being baptized that day. What about you? If you respond to Jesus, well, if you're so untrusting in him already, thank God, praise God that that's you, and rejoice at the feast that awaits. But surely you want your friends, your family to be there. So pray for them. Pray that they would be there at the feast and share with them, even this week, the hope that is in Christ. Let me pray for us as we come to a close. He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Father, in many ways, these are challenging words. They're not the sort of thing that we naturally gear ourselves up to here on a hot Sunday afternoon. But we thank you that they're here and that Jesus spoke to them because he's the prophet who longs to gather and save rebels. He's the prophet who goes to be killed willingly so that we might leave, so that we might feast in your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for saying these things so that we can be saved. And we ask that if there are any here who are at the moment not entering through our door, who have been putting that off, we pray that they would not do that any longer, that they would receive from you the shelter, the salvation, the future of feasting in your kingdom that you're holding out to them, that they would receive that today. They would say to Jesus, please forgive me, please help me to follow you as king. And for those of us who are trusting Christ, we ask for your help, Lord, to keep remembering these things, to keep rejoicing in them, to not forget the hope that we have, but also to share these truths, to be convicted deep in our hearts by them, that we would open our mouths when we have opportunities to to tell others about Christ and to encourage them to, to put their trust in him. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.